0: Welcome to the Value Investor Chatter. My name is Beko and my partner Hari. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about a firm pay now and maybe pay never, and uh, we'll talk about that. It was a it was a c- complete disaster. Um, not to give away too much, but it, you know it was, it was a complete disaster in their earnings um, just yesterday. We are recording this on Friday, February tenth, in. Uh, sort of week early, since Hari is going to be taking a vacation. So this podcast will be released next Thursday, um, but we are recording this on the 10th. So let's just right, jump right into it. Actually, before we do that, let's do a quick disclaimer, Hari.
1: Yep. This is the Value Investor Chatter podcast. We are a podcast that helps you grow your wealth, uh, and um, but we are for educational purposes only. Any companies that we talk about uh, or any advice that we, uh, give here should be, uh, considered in the context of your, uh, financial advisor or with your tax professional.
0: Excellent. Okay. So let's get right into it. Affirm. What do they do, Hari?
1: So as, uh, as Becko said, they are the buy now pay never, um, provider. I mean, Buy now, pay later uh, provider. So, if you're at your checkout on an uh, online store or actually in in Walmart, um, you can um, use their service to essentially get uh, various lines of instant credit. Some some of them at zero percent interest, uh, and you'll have four cycles to payment to pay them. In many cases, uh, but they even finance larger purchases like Peloton equipment. Um, where they give you a longer t- term to actually pay it off, um, so essentially they're providing you a um, a micro or small loan for whatever purchase you're you're doing, and they appear on I've seen them on all, many many websites, including Amazon, um, Walmart, and uh, you know much smaller stores as well.
0: Yeah, so they just announced their earnings. Actually, before we go to the Earnings report, let's just quickly show you guys what the stock performance has been, because I think it'll give us a good base to talk about this company. So here we go. So Affirm Holdings, they went public in 2021. This is kind of in the middle of the pandemic when the zero interest rate environment, they sort of timed it perfectly, I would say, right? I mean, it's like a perfect timing for the IPO. They went public right there. And since then the stock has performed quite poorly. Recently in 2022 and 23, it's, it's been completely hammered. So that's kind of the backdrop of the company. Companies currently, as you can see, the market cap $3.8 billion. So let's dig into it. Most recent earnings. They also, here we go. A firm cuts 19% of workforce, shares tank on earnings miss. Uh, by the way, this was, uh, this is a company that's, it's founded by Max Levchin. He is one of the co-founders of PayPal. Um, anyway, so that's kind of the story here, uh, from bird's eye view. Let's dig into the fundamentals and how they performed, uh, in the last couple of quarters. I'll toss it to you, Hori. Let's start with yeah. the, let's start breaking down the company's, um, most recent earnings report.
1: Yeah. So what you, you're, I'm going to show you here is kind of, uh is from their earnings supplement from the Q2 2023 report. So their Q2 uh just, you know, not every company ends their year on the uh, calendar year, their fiscal year. So they, um their Q2 covers the the December time period so don't let that confuse you as we talk through this the uh what they just reported was the quarter uh the second quarter um and so they uh a firm doesn't have a press release um and as you know when we talk about these companies and we talk about their earnings we look at the press release um their press release was very short and they referred to an earnings supplement which is this shiny powerpoint uh, that they have where they look, try to make themselves look really, really good. Um, and they hi- highlight a bunch of things. Um, one of the main things that they try and look at is this gross merchandise volume, which is um, when you buy your uh, checkout at Walmart, you're, um, and they finance for $100, um, their revenue will be a fraction of that percentage. So the the amount in gross merchandise volume is the amount that, You see on your receipt when you buy from Walmart or something like that, the revenue part will be the part where uh, they collect off of that. So don't let the gross merchandise volume be, you know, some. Oh man, it went up, you know, twenty-seven percent, right? The real number here is eleven percent. That's the revenue that they actually grow. So this remember, this is a supposedly a big growth stock. It's you know supposed to go really fast. This growth in that mindset is very anemic. Um, you know, they're both- by the way,
0: let me just point out one thing: gross merchandise uh, volume (GMV) is, I think, is what a lot of company calls it. The GMV is a common metric in this line of business, right? Visa reports GMV. I think all of the the payment rails companies, uh, insurance payment rails, just consumer payment rails, all of them report this number. But like you said, what's important is what do they actually keep out of the gross merchandise volume? Anyway just for yeah. a little bit more context. Okay, let's go, yeah, let's go to the revenue side you're saying.
1: Yeah, so just if just looking at that growth, you see that it went up 27% on the gross merchandise side, but the revenue growth only grew 11%. So what that's telling you is their ability to actually monetize from gross mon- uh, merchandise value to revenue is actually shrinking also. So this is a story that you wouldn't see if you're looking at the uh, like the transaction You know, you looked at this highlight and you say, wow, their growth is great. But these are the things to pay attention to when you're evaluating a business like a fintech company. Um, So actually, can you go back for a second? Yeah.
0: It is interesting to see actually the third chart there. Transaction per active active consumer. It grew by 38%. Mm -hmm. Active consumer numbers grew by 39%. Gross merchandise volume, 27%. Uh, It seems like the, it seems like the number there is the number of, number of consumers have grown more so than the actual gross merchandise volume, meaning that the, you know, per transaction, per transaction, it's, uh, the number, the, the rate of growth for number of consumer is faster than the, the, the volume, the, the payment volume per consumer. Anyway, yeah. that's this is the top line stuff that doesn't really matter to the business fundamentals. Let's let's um, keep going.
1: So, just uh, you know, we we saw that the um, uh, that they actually partner with a bunch of different e-commerce companies, and they're showing you that their different rates general merchandise grew a lot. But some interesting things to me were that their electronics, which is where a lot of people are gonna finance things, um, the number of partnerships actually shrunk during that time. So number of partners that they were actually working with is actually getting smaller in some cases. So just something to think about when, in the back of your mind because um, you know, their consumers are actually going up and they're saying that their transactions per consumer, which is what we talked about, was going up. But as Becco mentioned, the gross merchandise volume was shrinking uh, or it was growing at a slower percentage. So that means that the, the consumer is actually buying smaller transactions on a firm's platform, even though they're doing a larger number of them. Um, just these are all math things that just to try and keep your, you know, wrap your head around as you go through this, because remember our job as an investor here is to evaluate whether a company is worth our time, right? This company is a dumpster fire, so it's not worth your time, but for educational purposes, uh, we are teaching you how to not put your hand in the dumpster when it's on fire, right? So that's that's the whole goal here. Um, so from a revenue standpoint, though, the the growth was only eleven percent um, from Q two last year to uh, Q two this year, um, and this has a number of factors that we'll get into. But why we're we're highlighting this is the whole investment thesis for a lot of people is that this is a growth company, but what is actually happening? Remember, they've already hit Amazon, they've already hit Am- Walmart, the two biggest you know platforms where you can buy stuff online, um, and their growth is fairly anemic, right? So this should tell you that you know this isn't actually you know the number of people who would use this service um, is you know they've probably maxed out that, uh, and it's now about increasing the number of times those people use it. Um, So which may not actually work so great. Um, So another point to highlight is, uh, and they they talked about this in the the earnings call, um, is that the number of, you know, we we talked about they had a 0% interest for four months. If you pay it off in four months, you get 0%. The number of transactions that they're actually going to be able to do that at is going down. Um, because is there, chart, a, is there
0: a chart for that Hari, in the, um,
1: PowerPoint? I don't think they do that because this is, uh, um, this may be the best one to get that information. Um, but you can't, as far as I can tell, you can't tease it out of this, uh, presentation. Sure. Uh, so, but let me just explain that point And then we'll, uh, so imagine that you're, a Uh, a company like a firm is effectively a bank, right? And they're making loans to businesses or or to consumers at the point of a transaction. So these are, they're trying to do some sort of very quick uh, calculation about, you know, uh, a consumer's ability to pay this off, offer out the loan. And then, um, they work with the men the merchant, to then develop uh, some sort of payment. In the case that you they pay it off in four months uh, at zero percent interest, a firm is still trying to take some money. Um, if this goes beyond four months, there are loans and you know interest rates that kick in and things like that that they try and collect money off of. Um, so just to get a little bit deeper into their their uh, process, but the problem comes into uh, for them is when you have a higher interest rate environment, the default rate for this goes up. Not only that though, that when the default rate is higher, um, you know, or the economy doesn't do as well. The, the percentage of, um, you know, they're essentially their borrowing costs will go up. Um, and so their actual, uh, you know, because they have to keep a higher provision of loans that are going to be in default at a higher cost to them, right? So this is part of the squeeze that we're going to see, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, as we go through there. So I'll stop there. You know, if, you know, Becca, if you have any comments, then I'll uh, show you a couple more things.
0: Yeah, I think, I think this is, again, I think we mentioned this over and over again. And I, I, this is such a moot point now that I've, I've mentioned it like five times in the pot in the, in the previous podcast this all of this stuff especially this one actually because this is so tied to the interest rate and the macro macro kind of trend is that all of the stuff that we're seeing of misallocation of capital is downstream of loose monetary and fiscal policy and this is i think a, a good example of this and yeah so that that's that I'll, I'll just say that and this I think this goes to show kind of the, we're going to talk about different types of squeezes that we're seeing the cost of capital is going up. You got all, a lot of the competitive advantage being eroded away,
1: going, going away, um, so yeah. So let's, let's actually look at their transaction costs. Um, you know, we saw, saw that they were going up and they do this as a percent of their gross merchandise value. So you can actually see um, their, their transaction costs going up uh, significantly in the last four years after being, or in the last four quarters after being relatively flat. So this is, you know, we're now talking about eroding their margins, right? Well, they didn't have any margins to begin with because they're, they're not a profitable business, but this. Sorry, sorry. are you sharing your
0: screen on the other one or I'm I'm still seeing the, the PowerPoint.
1: Yeah, I, I'm talking about the transaction cost okay, here. Okay, Got it. Okay. So, um, yeah. So that since the transaction cost goes up, we'll show you their margins here in a minute. But a sec, effectively, this is going to hit them by causing their losses to accelerate, right? Um, and so let's uh, let's just actually look at that right now. Um, the uh, so their operating expenses have gone up significantly as a percentage of revenue, or uh, you know, in the last, uh, 24 months, you know, from 18 to 22%. So there, these are people and technology costs. So non-gap operating expenses has gone up as a percentage from Q2 of 21. So this is their cost to actually provide, you know, their platform, their services, et cetera. Um, and they're cutting sales and marketing expenses, um, to, you know, to try and get more profit, which is going to affect their ability to, keep their growth going right as we've seen um and and they may also mark sales and marketing expenses as promotional items and offers that they have you know to get more people to use the service um so the last thing i want to just highlight and then we'll we'll talk more about the squeeze is their operating losses continue to accelerate Um, you know their operating margin is was terrible to begin with because they've never been profitable, but this is going to continue to get worse over time. um, If they don't significantly change their, their business model. Right. I, I mean, I I don't know how to rectify what's, what they're doing. uh, And this concept of, you know, short-term credits and, and finances, because there's so much competition in this space.
0: Yeah. So this, this sort of ties back to, the comment that we made earlier if you stay on the graph for a second you got gap operating income slash losses on one side and then you have adjusted operating income and losses on the other side is it funny is it is it kind of surprising to you that the adjusted operating income looks a lot better than gap operating income
1: yeah it, um, they're going to adjust it for their benefit <laughs> right Yeah. so
0: yeah i mean i think i think the the, ba- the main point is that the top line is it's still growing but maybe not as aggressively as 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 it was in in kind of the heydays of 2021 and 2022 with zero interest rate environment but also the operating losses are compounding over time i can't really make out the number there it's like growing at 90% is that yeah, right yeah the
1: margin is negative 80% i think from 54 yeah
0: so yeah so and and then the and then you have to you have to ask yourself what is the difference why is it that the the, the the gap is widening? I think one of the factors that we, I think, Hari, you just mentioned is the provision provision for the uh, future losses, the credit loss, or the loss on the credit that they issued. And I think perhaps this is a good time to show this chart. So let me share my screen, Hari.
1: Yep.
0: Let's see, let's see. Let's go here. All right. The the company, as I mentioned before, the company is so tied to the macro environment because effectively they're a bank and banks obviously are extension of the kind of the federal reserve rate setting. And they're the ones that can, they can kind of create money through credit, blah, blah, blah. So they're very tied to the macro space. And you can look at this delinquency rates on credit card loans. I've just truncated the timeline from 2015. But if you, let's say, if you go back all the way to like 2008 crisis, for example, you can clearly see the delinquency rate goes up when the recession begins, right? And so Mm -hmm. this is kind of what you're seeing here is that when the interest rate, and also this is quite fascinating here. since Since the collapse from 2008... You've seen the delinquency rate gone down and has stayed down for a long long time now so and then you got 20 you know 2022 2021 and then you're starting to see a little bit of pickup here on the credit card uh, delinquency rate uh, same thing for consumer loans all commercial banks you can see it's starting to tick up a little bit so this is uh you know, a fresh or not a fresh, sorry. Uh, a firm is, is kind of playing in this context that we're talking about here. Yep. So let's, is there anything else on the slides that you want to talk about?
1: So, I mean, I, I think the, you know, one of the things about looking at a company like this, right. Is as value investors, we would never really look at this business, right? It's, it's got a lot of things that we, we're not interested in, right? One is a very short operating history in terms of public, um, perform operating history, right? They've, they went IPO only two years ago 2 they're in a, um, uh, in a space that is, um, uh, where, I mean, they're at, at a stage in their company where they're not profitable. And three, um, you know, so they're in a a relatively new industry in this fintech space, right? So value investing is really about looking at a business that's, you know, generally profitable that you can value. So we would pass on a company like this, right? And Becca and I have looked at this farther than we would normally do in our own value investing practice, because it's not really interesting, right? This company, you know, is not really interesting from our perspective, but from a Uh, educational perspective, right? There's a lot to see here about how they mishandled a lot of things. They have a broken business model that um, really is not providing anything different than say your credit card company or or other things. And they may differ. They may disagree with what I'm saying, right? But in my opinion, there is no real benefit to something like this, Um, you know, because they're trying to partner with uh, the retailer and stuff like that. I, I, that doesn't mean that this is you know, something that's uh, really going to drive uh, sales for that company, right? And so I think what is going to happen is Amazon, Walmart has plenty of money. They have the ability to do all of this stuff. If they wanted to, they could do this themselves. The reason they're not doing it is they don't want to take on the risk and have to go to collections and other things, right? So they'd much rather just say, look, credit card company, you deal with it or some third party business deal with it. Um, because if it was truly a profitable business, they would do it themselves, right? And then, then
0: they surely can, they're sitting on a lot of cash. I mean, really effectively a bank is a way to lend out access to the, to the balance sheet. The way I think about it is just basically a bank is just access to their balance sheet. If you have a bigger balance sheet, you can kind of become a bank. And like you said, all these companies that they're partnering with Walmart, um, Amazon, uh, just a side note, I think the most egregious part about this whole thing is they partner up with Peloton, and I think there was a slide just dedicated to Peloton partnership in that slide, right? Yep. And, I mean, geez, I don't know what's going to happen to Peloton. That's a whole other story, but it sounded like a lot of the customers of Peloton bought their bikes through a a firm. Um, Yeah, so double whammy for Peloton, I suppose, and a firm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think there's a lot to learn here. Right. Um, but not necessarily an interesting company to invest in. Uh, and you know, my, my thought here is, you know, well, one, I, I would say like we have a lot of lively discussions about companies on our uh, on our Value Investor community, and we'd love for you to check them out on ValueInvestor.org. Uh, come to our site, you know, check it out, um, join the community. You'll be able to chat with with us about companies like this, um, and you know, also talk about companies that are uh, more interesting from a valuation perspective um, that you may actually want to be uh, invested in or put real cash into. So. Um, but you know, if you hit us up on ValueInvestor.org, we'd have, be happy to you know continue the conversation about companies like this or the companies that we talked about. Uh, you'd also be able to check out our free uh, database of stocks, where you could actually see the history of a firm or any other company in the investing you know u- universe. Uh, and at the same time, um, you could, if you're like, I don't know what these guys are talking about, <clears throat> you can actually take our course. Um, which will help you get up to speed on the actual uh, mechanics of value investing. What do we mean when we talk about revenue, uh, operating income, profit, free cash flow? All of these terms that Becco and I throw around, common investor terms, you may be confused by it. I think you would get a lot of benefit by taking the course. Uh, and that I think would help um, get you up to speed so that when we talk about these on an ongoing basis, you'll be able to uh, follow along a lot quicker. Um but you know, I think just the larger point that I would have with any business that um, you're going to evaluate uh, from an investment perspective, from a finance perspective, any anything that you're looking at, um, it's always good to to investigate companies like this because it it helps you hone your skills of uh, essentially smelling BS. Right? Um, this company has a has a significant problem. It's going to be eventually I think lead to bankruptcy or, you know, get, uh, folded because there's no way to get around, you know, and, and now the highest higher interest rate environment is just going to squeeze out their, their, uh, their process, right. Uh, or they're going to have to charge the the company more, uh, that they're dealing with the retailer more, and they, they may not find that valuable, um, you know, to them, right. Cause it cuts into their margins at Amazon and Walmart. Yeah. Those
0: are all good points. Yeah, definitely check us out <clears throat> check us out on valueinvestor.org got a lot of free resources there for you guys also yeah i'll just say i'll just say one one last thing on a firm i think for me you know we go through a checklist by the way if you guys want to go through a checklist we have a checklist that we use to go through uh, every individual companies that we analyze if you guys want that go to valueinvestor.org it's available for free there One of the things that we spend a lot of time on is actually qualitatively analyzing companies and coming up with, coherent arguments as to why this company has a good competitive edge, competitive moat. One of the things that I find, at least personally, I don't have the expertise to look into banks and, you know, bank adjacent kind of companies like this is because, well, first I don't understand them very well, and secondly, what i find kind of disturbing about putting my own money into the companies like the like these is that they are they're at the mercy of the the uh, they're at the mercy of federal reserve central banks around the world one of the things that i learned over the past few years is that a macro environment does matter and with zero rich interest rate environment anything goes And when the environment is not zero interest rate, things start to start to look really bleak for some of these companies. So I don't want to be in a position where in a group of elders come together and decide the value of your dollar and somehow like your, your business model completely breaks. So, um, that's just, uh, that's just kind of how I think about some of these, some of these plays, but. And and, and partly, partly because like I mentioned, I will confess my ignorance on analyzing some of these banks because they're just so difficult for me and I don't have, I don't have a full grasp on this, but just as a general theme, I tend to avoid companies that can be written off with, uh, with some, some variable lurking that's exogenous to the company. Um, so there you have it guys. That's a firm for you. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Leave us a comment, like, subscribe, and definitely come check us out on valueinvestor.org. All right. Until next time. See you guys. Thanks.